Beautiful. Let's do it. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have my dying bride, who has a new EP called Macabre Cabaret, which is releasing on November 20th via Nuclear Blast Records. And right now I'm being joined by Andrew to share some more information about this release and what the band has got going on. And then uh, the cool thing about this uh, Andrew, is that uh, this will be like episode, I don't know, 800 and something, but on episode 650, I was able to sit down with Aaron, uh, just like I'm sitting down with you right now. We were chatting about the ghost of Orion, uh, and I remember he dropped that the EP would be coming, and so now we get a chance to uh, chat about this. So I just wanted to welcome the band back on and welcome you on to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is a, a cool thing because uh, The Ghost of Orion, which I have, hit number 12 on the German album chart. So congratulations on the album doing very well. Yeah, we were su- probably more surprised than everybody to see that in, in charts. In, you know, as a, we still consider ourselves as a, a, a very much an underground band. I know we're not tape trading anymore, like in the olden days, I suppose. But uh, it, was a, it was a very welcome surprise. We needed some good news, and that was certainly... You know, we considered that very good news, but it was a shock, I'll tell you that. Now, you mentioned, because you guys consider yourselves to be a bit of an underground band, but I guess I was going to ask, why is it such a shock? Because it's a great album. Well, thank you, firstly. Thank you. It's, it was genuinely a shock because we, we deliberately, well, not deliberately, we, well, I suppose we don't write commercial music. And I think that's fairly obvious. So when we see ourselves rubbing shoulders with, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying these bands were writing deliberate commercial music, but significantly more popular or more accessible bands than My Dying Bride. Uh, it, it was a, a bit of a, I mean, we were only there briefly, but it was still, <laughs> it was still a good shock. But so we, we, were, <laughs> we, we, were, we, were, we were surprised uh, because like I said, we, we write music that's very oblique, very left of center and all that kind of thing. It, it very much, uh, a unique or an acquired taste, let's say it's not everybody's cup of tea. So, to to suddenly see your name next to you know significantly larger bands, uh, that that I don't know. We were I wasn't ready for that. that. That was a great surprise to see that. You know. Yeah, it almost sounds like somebody had to say, you know, Andrew, we need you to sit down for a second. We have some news. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it close. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you mentioned that you guys needed that good news. I guess maybe take unpackage that, if you wouldn't mind. Take us through that. Why did you guys need some good news? Well, if you've spoke to Aaron about the process of the ghost, uh, the writing and recording of uh, a ghost, or the ghost of Orion, sorry, you, you've probably been given a, either, a, either a brief overview of how miserable his life was because of his daughter's illness, uh, mm-hmm. very and if not, you've been given an in-depth version. Neither one is very, you know, it's not easy listening. Uh, but on the back of that, we had uh, two members leave, um, both of them very unexpectedly, considering there was no fallouts or arguments in the rehearsal rooms or in the recording. So it was a, a very, you know, it took the wind out of our sails when uh, Calvin left first and then Sean left a couple of months afterwards with no real rhyme or reason. I mean, we, we've worked all out since. So we soldiered on as as we say and it was very little fun as much as my dying bride's like considered doom and gloom in the engine room of my dying bride 
it's very much great fun for those who like doing this type of music. We all laugh, we joke, we have a, a, a I shouldn't really say this, but we have a jolly old time creating. <laughs> uh, Not the, you guys, Andrew, you can't spoil it for us. I've, I've blown us cover now. Uh, <laughs> behind the scenes we normally have a lot of fun but there was none of that on this record it was really what i mean i don't mind hard work it wasn't that that was making it miserable it was just the circumstances around it so to see the album finished was great news and to see it was not particularly bad we we thought we had something uh, and then to actually see as a and I, and I really mean this as unexpected as it was to see us pop into the charts ever so briefly uh, it, but even that was good enough it was like well that that's you know that that's great news, and we were we were like, what the fuck do you do with great news? No one knew how to take it. <laughs> Waited for the bad news to follow, but none came. So it was like, I don't know, almost like a, it was it was strange, but it, it was so welcome, it was untrue, and we shared it about four times around each other just to make sure it was real. Then we all went online and checked, and yeah, it, it was real. I think that's always the worst, isn't it? When good news comes and you're expecting the tumble, but there's no tumble, and then you're really worried at that point. <laughs> yeah, we, we're so paranoid at that point. It was untrue. Uh, <laughs> wood and all that superstitious stuff. We've ridden that particular storm only to roll directly into the present you know, situation the world finds itself in. So we, we were like, you know, could it get any worse? And I don't even want to say that anymore because a meteor will land mid, you know, mid-interview and decimate a lot of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you bring up a very interesting question because I knew that an EP was coming. It seems like, uh, for current knowledge, you, the, the marketing plan is going still to plan kind of regardless of, of COVID. But, I mean, I guess take us through this year and has it – did you guys turn it into a blessing? Was it kind of a blessing in disguise? Did it completely ruin things? How did COVID affect My Dying Bride this year? It did it well. Step well. The first thing it did to it to everybody, all, all bands, and uh, not just rock and heavy metal. It it killed the gigs. It, it, I mean, which is I mean that's a given, I suppose. Now it sounds obvious. So we don't do very many gigs anyway. But they was they were sat back, uh, and they've all been pushed into next year. And fingers crossed, they'll survive that, and we'll we'll go and play next year. As for releases and this EP and the work that we were doing on this EP, it didn't change that uh, in, in any way, thankfully. Uh, the album, the actual album was delayed so many times that when it did come out, that actual release date sort of put this release date on the map uh, because we knew we were doing an EP back then because when we delivered the album to Nuclear Blast, they said it was too long and we had to chop it up a bit, which we were prepared for because we, we were just... We just wrote a long album like you know, My Dying Bride tends to do. Uh, so when suddenly we found ourselves having to pull three songs, that was a tough decision, choosing which ones. Uh, and then we found ourselves with an EP that we could remix and, and then rewrite in, in a couple of instances and just play with it, but leave it on the back burner for them. Uh, but it, it didn't really change anything. But apart from the gigs, and obviously not being able to re rehearse, even though we've had quite a few rehearsals since, uh, in, in the gaps between lockdowns, uh, it, it's... From that point of view, it was just as demoralising as you can imagine, but from a, I don't know, promoter point of view, it didn't really change anything. Nuclear Blast still did what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something about, uh, the speaking of the label, they said, you know, the album's too long, you've got to pull three songs. You said it was tough to choose, and then uh, a bit of remixing and rewriting in a couple of instances. So I guess take us through that process. What was it like 
choosing those three songs, you know, which children have to go later, I guess, um, <laughs> to create a cohesive element that is now the album that is being broken up and now an EP. Uh, what was that? What was that like? Initially, we 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 sort of quietly, and, and the immediate reaction was, "Oh, really?" You know that kind of. But then, when myself and Aaron sat down and looked at this, when we started to pull, uh, particularly Macabre Cabaret out of the mix, and uh, a purse of golden stars, the secret kiss was the tough one, because we wanted. If we were going to, we, we basically we sat down and said, "Right, okay, how do we turn this? What is potentially a, uh, not bad news, but it's not not what we expected. But how do we um, capitalize on it, if you will? You know, make it into something good. There's no point resisting this; it's taking place. How do we make it as good as possible? So we chose a song that we thought was strong enough to head headline the EP. A Cab Cabaret stood out as a big song for us. We loved the title, uh, A Person of Golden Stars. We we pulled that mainly because it was a toss-up between that one and The Solace. And I really wanted The Solace left on the album because when we listened to the album without Macabre Cabaret and A Purse of Golden Stars, in the order it fell into, it's suddenly Nuclear Blast were very, very right, very, very right indeed. The album felt better, felt more precise. It, it flowed in a more, I don't know, cohesive manner without sounding too pretentious about all of this. So the, the tough one was which one was going, you know, which one was going next. And I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't really know. Uh, it was The Secret Kiss. Uh, and that one, I quite liked it because of the pinch harmonics. It reminds me of when we were kids, you know, we're doing demos and we'd just, we'd just put pinch harmonics over everything because we loved the band Death, which, of course, everybody knows about. Uh, and going back to Scream, Bloody Gore and Leprosy, that's what they did a lot of. And, and we stole that idea from them and still use it today. Uh, but unfortunately, it was... I wouldn't like to say I don't think relegated. I think it's a it's a strong lineup for the EP, uh, and ultimately we we got behind it. And you know I think uh, it's I genuinely think it's a strong piece of work now, and particularly with the artwork as well. We were surprised that we got involved with a chap, uh, an Italian chap called Roberto Bordan, I think you would pronounce it, and he has sunk completely into this. Onto a, from an esoteric level, he's seen things in it we didn't see, and he's almost delved into these dark arts. It, it's almost like the, the artwork is now. It's almost like ingredients for a spell. That within the artwork is the is the key to creating this spell. It's it's really quite strange, uh, and you've got to see it to believe it. Uh, and if you actually see his workings out, you would expect frogs' legs and bat wings in there as well. It's just bizarre, and we loved it. Yeah. Now, one of the, I guess, leads me to my next question, Andrew, is seeing this whole thing come together, you know, because you were working on it, um, kind of inside it, now that you're seeing these sort of external workings, does it change the meaning at all for you on the work? A, a little bit, yeah, because obviously we have our preconceived ideas of what, and this may sound a little bit odd, but it, we... The music has a picture in your mind, which I'm sure most people can grasp if they're into music. It has a shape or a colour or something like that. But it's not one that's distinguishable if, in the sense of you wouldn't be able to draw it out you know, it right now. But it has a feel that has a, a distinct sort of, uh, I don't know, an, a, you know, a quantifiable something which I can't quite des describe, which is probably an oxymoron. Uh, but when Roberto got hold of this and, and with his in-depth 
approach to it, which I've never seen an artist do, and I, I really mean this. This is new. I mean, the album cover for A Ghost of Orion blew us away. It was phenomenal. Uh, but this guy's, he's sent us his workings out. So I'll read some out. Like, he's gone for, like, the number three, because there's officially three songs on the uh, EP. So he's then working on, well, the chemical number for lithium is three, the cure for depression and bipolar pathology. He says, number three is a major arcana number. Three is the empress. And he says, it's a triptych from the Middle Ages. Now, we like that because we've done that in the past. Uh, and it will divide the artwork into three separate pieces, which he's done. And he's put down the three stages of truth for Arthur Schopenhauer. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure I can Google that. Uh, and he, he puts all these reasons why it should be three, why it should be three. And he's created a new logo for the band. He's created a, a, a sigil for the band. Uh, and I'm, I'm telling you, this guy, this is almost witchcraft uh, in itself, in the way he's put this together. <laughs> we sat back and thought, well, fuck me, this is all right. We, we can live with this. Mm-hmm. Witchcraft, indeed. You just brought up tarot cards. It's close. I think. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I bet if we ask him, it wouldn't take him many, you know, long to delve into that. He's. This is well, well thought out, and the artwork itself is very impressive. Very as a heavy metal artwork type of fan. I mean, I think it goes hand in hand that rock fans and, and metal fans love the album covers. You know, it's, it's part and parcel of why, what what makes us tick. Uh, and I think this comes up very well. It, it's an impressive, a really impressive piece of work. It makes the music rubbish. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> well, speaking of that rubbish, we well, have... We'll have to pick, uh, you know, pull a socks up on the next one if we're going to get out like this. <laughs> exactly. Um, sweet. So speaking of, of such rubbish, we've got the teaser, Secret Kiss. Uh, and then as uh, we mentioned, the, the big track, the the title track, uh, Macabre Cabaret, Um I guess take us through this this song, and there's a music video that's going to be accompanying it. You mentioned there's quite a bit of theatrics to it. So take us through this. When compiling the EP, something else you mentioned was doing a little bit of rewriting, a little bit of remixing. What, I guess, became the new intention for these three songs when they got brought together? And with this track, because uh, it's, it's the longest one on the EP, what is, what is this track about? Well, the... The thinking or the, the basics, I mean, I don't write the lyrics, so I can only give you a sort of a glossed over approach to the actual uh, lyrical context, of the lyrical subjects, if you will, uh, in this song. And it's along the lines, how did he say it now? It's like fiery lovers uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of, not necessarily a dance, but, the, well, in, in the sense that the title is the, is the reflection of the song's sort of subject, a macabre cabaret a dance that's just so insanely grotesque and yet beautiful oddly beautiful and some somehow you know sort of darkly poetic and then obviously the, the behind macabre cabaret is actually the process of the song of the the sort of elements within uh, these two subjects that Aaron has uh, decided that are you know in some sort of tortuous uh, relationship I can't say much more than that I think that's that's not actually so far away from it to be fair um the other two are Purse of Golden Stars. I think that's just about blessings in the sense of, without going too deeply, I think it relates to his daughter's scenario a little bit. Without, but he, he did tend to shy away from that and keep some of these very close to his chest. Uh, and a secret kiss, the basic of that, or basics rather, are oddly enough witchcraft uh, and how when you 
well, I say you as if as if we've ever done this, but when you would, uh, if you were a witch, let's say, and you had to fly to the coven and meet your master, bigger, uh, you know, Satan himself, you had to perform a particular uh, greeting, which, as we all know, if, if you've looked into this, is quite rude nowadays, and you wouldn't want to do it on an interview. <laughs> so, but and the secret kiss is is. About in and around that kind of, kind of thing. Let, let me just keep, let's just people can Google that now and think, oh Christ, is that what he meant? Is this the writing about that now? Yes, we are. Uh, so, but but one of the cool things, just keeping it sane before I, I, I go off track completely. On Macabre, mm-hmm. have a, a small section where Aaron's daughter actually comes in and does some very ghostly and ethereal vocals that we recorded by pure chance when she came in once just to visit the studio and it sounds very unique and very eerie in the background like uh, if it's an old horror film and you know there's there's a child ghost in the walls trying to get a message out uh, and we have that in the center which was a, a nice touch because she was fit and well by then so uh, it was a nice touch for her to make a, a small appearance on the album and uh, as Aaron said jokingly I've not fucking paid her <laughs> child labor <laughs> No doubt, you rip her off. <laughs> a touching moment when he openly said that. It was brilliant. <laughs> hmm. Well, then I guess maybe from uh, you know from a guitar perspective, um, when you're writing something, does it have a particular meaning to you before lyrics get to it? Sometimes, but that can confuse the issue later on when I think the song should lean one way, but the vocals, or sorry, the lyrics leaning in, in an entirely different direction. So as much as I still do that, I tend to allow it to be let go much sooner than I used to do. Uh, and I didn't realize I was clinging on to these things as well. It was something I learned over time. Uh, for example, uh, we had, on a, I think it's actually one of the only songs that is on this sort of recording session uh, EP is Macabre Cabaret, where the lyrics and the title matched where we we were writing the song in rehearsal when aaron was still uh, away with his daughter he wasn't coming to rehearsal at this point uh, and we wrote the song and we gave it a title and we deliberately made it sound like it does based on the title uh, and it was down to sean on violin uh, and keyboards at the time we were writing the the, the guitar lines and we, we, we were enjoying it. it was coming around but he was being very naughty let's say <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't taking it all that seriously, and he he played some uh, some particular patches on the keyboard that simply didn't fit. It made us sound like we were some old men in a working men's club. I was like, "What? The <laughs> fuck? I mean, why are you do? You know what I mean?" And we we're all laughing, but one of them was so odd, it stuck, and that's when we came up with the idea. I said, "This just sounds like some sort of macabre cabaret," and the song title stuck, and what he did kind of stuck, and we we, we darkened it a little bit. So it was actually young Sean's fault this one because he won't take the band seriously (laughs) (laughs) so so it was one of those moments where out of absolute comedy came a giant of a a song you know because if you actually saw how we put it together you wouldn't believe there was plenty of tears but it was all tears of laughter uh, as we built this song while he paid no attention to what we were doing and just tried to ruin the rehearsal for fun (laughs) <laughs> that bugger all of that yeah exactly that. so it was quite good fun 
Beautiful. All right. Now, I also have a note. Maybe you can't say anything about this, but a hidden gem on the physical editions. Is it an extra track that we get? Of sorts. It's an instrumental of cello music. Uh, we couldn't resist doing it. Yeah. And it's, it's, ju it's just a little bit of ear candy, if you will. It's really quite nice. We didn't want to spoil the the trilogy feel, so we hid it. Uh, but we, we just couldn't help us. We had so much material. We, we just we were in the studio, and I don't know if you've ever worked with a band in the studio when something takes life and you can't stop it. It was one of those moments, and it was like, where does it go? And, and we're like, we'll have to hide it somewhere, you know, or else we'll get in trouble because it's supposed <laughs> to be with three. And it's like fucking Jesus, uh, and it was it just grew uh, very quickly. Uh, and everybody enjoyed it, uh, and just, oh, let's just do it. You know, what have we got to lose? Nothing, really. Uh, you know, and it was just a bit of fun. And it, but it's a, a very nice piece of music, and it's just buried in there just just for fun, really. Uh, our mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like things are turning for the positive, uh, Andrew. I, it's terrible news. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't be having any of that round. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well. I believe we chatted about everything that I had a question about uh, two tracks, uh, the EP itself, the hidden gem coronavirus. Uh, we hit, I think, every nail on the head. Um, unless there's anything that you wanted to chat about that I didn't bring up, I just wanted to thank you for uh, coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. No, I'm just very happy to be here, and it's been a great pleasure and a, 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 I mean, a very enjoyable uh, chat. You, it's been a wonderful little interview. Thank you. <laughs> 